Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 49 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, where this week, I'm delighted to say, we're joined by former amateur boxer, podcast host, um, and that's JDJ. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on, mate. Really appreciate it. We've been conversing for a, for a little while over the last last couple of months, especially with obviously the the lockdown situation. Um, and just to give people a little bit of an insight into into what you do, you've got, as I said, then you've got your own podcast called it's called the Talk Podcast, uh, which is to do with with men's mental health. And you also do uh, at the moment the virtual walks as well. Just, just tell people who are listening about how that came about and and obviously what it's all about as well. Um, yeah, well, last year I really got into my podcasts, uh, listening to him. Uh, they really helped me out. So I thought, you know, I'd like to set one up myself talking about mental health because, um, personally, I, I suffer from OCD, um, which is, uh, I've had that most of my life and it's quite, you know, debilitating. So I first did like a short film on it uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, and I was quite nervous to obviously do it and stuff, but once I put it on Twitter, like the response I had off people was amazing, and especially like Blues as well. You know, going to Everton game and people coming up to me saying like, you know, that video has helped them, uh, you know, to speak out, and you know they've got a family member who's got OCD, and you know, people coming up to me, like Millwall away and West Ham away and stuff, um, Mains. In pre-season, some guy come up to me, and I, I was, I, you know, I was having a wee in the toilet. Like, yeah, he come up to me, and I was like, wow. Um, so I thought, yeah, it's amazing this. Um, so that's why I set up Talk Podcast just to use my experiences to educate people and you know let people know that they're not on their own, basically. Um, and the walking group just started. I just had an idea in my head one day um, while I was out walking. Uh, recovering from my nose operation um, and I thought you know I can do something more here I could you know do do a walk walking group you know it's free um, and people are getting exercise as well so yeah that, that's how it, how it started basically have you have you found obviously since the the lockdown situation especially have you found more and more people conversing with you and, and I mean I, I've been been watching and we, we've uh, obviously been retweeting various things to do with your walk etc over the last the last couple of months and yeah. I've noticed how, how it's grown a fair a fair amount because people tend to be and, and understandably so struggling with the current situation with obviously being detached from society so have you noticed quite a, an uptake in, in those virtual walks especially? Yeah a lot mate um, you know when I started to, to turn it virtual that was just another idea that popped in my head while I, I was walking myself. Um, and I thought, you know, there's, there's, some, there's a way around this. So 
we did it virtual and I think the first time I had about 10, 10 guys come on, which was, you know, still great. Um, and then it just grew each week and I linked up with Time to Change um, for Mental Health Awareness Week, um, made it like a bit of an event and we had 27 guys come on. Um, and Chris Kirkland, uh, he come on as well and said a few words. So that, you know, that was brilliant, although it was very hard for me to introduce him. Uh, <laughs> I, I introduced him as ex uh Sheffield Wednesday and Wigan goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy with that, but um, good luck. Yeah, I had to put me. Well, I also asked him the question. Everyone was asking him a question, and um, my question was, "What was it like when Lee Carsley banged that goal?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and he made some excuses up. He was injured or something, but yeah, he said his mates were Carsley, so obviously he got a bit of stick for that. Um, but yeah, and then each week, you know. Different guys come on, um, and I've you know I've wrote down how, how many people have joined us. Um, I think we're on forty-four different guys now, so you know it, it's amazing to see these different guys. You know, not just from local areas either. Like, got connections in like Scotland, London, um, Ireland, all different places. Like, and that's the that's the uh, beauty of using Zoom and online because. You can reach people far and wide, um, and I've done a lot of networking with people, so it, it's brilliant that obviously we can do that. What? Yeah, man. Sorry, go on, mate. Go on, mate. Jump in. I was going to say, mate, I can't commend you enough for the work you're doing there. To be honest, I mean, we work with, um, you know, I run a business that works with a lot of businesses in terms of, you know, uh, general health and obviously in particular mental health, and it, um, yeah, you know, it's such an important you know facet in life now really that it's being talked about and it can only be a good thing that it's less of a stigma you know more and more people can feel they can talk to each other about it talk to their employer about it um you know and i can't commend you enough for the work you're doing there because those sort of things you, you know you wouldn't believe like how much that helps people you know people that are suffering in silence a lot of the time going on a walk speaking with other people about it it's great work you're doing there mate yeah yeah thanks mate it's you know, it's it is rewarding to know that you know you can reach out to guys and just for me speaking out um, and just telling people about my experiences. You know that that could help someone else. You know, speak up um, and obviously, I'm you know go to the game. I know loads of blues and um, people know me that I'm you know I've done boxing and I go to match and stuff. So if I can speak out, then you know it gives. You know, someone else's confidence too. Am I right in, in thinking, Jay, and saying that you, you don't box anymore? Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I retired because I had a nose operation, so I don't want to get my nose smashed in again. <laughs> but, did, but, but did you find when you you stop boxing, obviously there's, there's a void then in what you obviously within your life and obviously the career that you've got. Did you find that that massively impacted on your own mental health? Yeah. Um, well, every time I did box, mate, you know, I had six fight amateur fights, but every time I fought, it was very tough for me because obviously my OCD was going into overdrive the, the week of the fight, so I couldn't take my mind off it, um, and it made me quite ill. Um, and my second fight, I'd, I nearly didn't do it because I went in the gym in the morning and said I'm not fighting tonight because I don't, I just don't feel good. Um, but I ended up getting through that because I knew that I was going to come out to Z cars. Um, and that when I asked my coach, I said, like, I've got to come out to Z cars. So she said, yeah, you're coming out to that. <laughs> um, and obviously, as you know, when you're listening to that song, it just, you know, hair standing on the back of your neck. And as soon as it come on, you know, that was it. And, both times I did come out to their cars, I won them fight. So, you know, for me that, you know, it's very special, um, special moments coming out to their cars. It's like a, a boyhood dream, really. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and anyone who obviously wants to uh, get involved with the walks, etc. We'll, we'll obviously, when we put the podcast out, we, we'll link it up, obviously, with your, your podcast page, obviously your personal Twitter page as well, so they can obviously get in touch and get involved if they, if they yeah. want to. And obviously, listen listen to your podcast. Just, just tell everyone, before we move on to 
um, to Everton. Where where do you find your podcast? Uh, it's on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my pages and the podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, at the moment, I'm just doing interviews with different people. You know, Chris Kirkland, Adrian Omoke from New York City, um, and people of OCD. Um, so just trying to, you know, try and speak to different people so different people can relate, basically. Excellent. I mean, Chris, like- Chris Kirkland, sorry, mate. Chris Kirkland, I've, I've, uh, I've met Chris a few times. I've actually played golf with him. He's a really, really sound guy. Yeah. Um, he's quite vocal, isn't he, in that area, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, he, he, he just speaks dead openly about it on Twitter. And, like, you know, he'd come on to our Zoom chat and, he, you know, he just spoke dead openly with the lads. And um, and that, that's brilliant to see, like, someone who's that high profile to talk like that. Yeah, he's a top lad as well, isn't he? Really nice guy. Yeah, for a red, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to say, we, we, as I say, we, we'll put it out there when the podcast goes out as well. So, hopefully... More people, you know, can can feel comfortable in in discussing any mental health health issues, especially yeah. at a time when when obviously mental health issues are, are, have definitely taken a massive massive hit uh, in in recent months. Yeah. Uh, but you know, let's let's now look forward if we may, as as football is almost upon us. The return of the Premier League is almost here. Um, Wednesday, the Premier League returns. Obviously, our first game comes Sunday, seven pm at Goodison Park as we've uh, found out last week that it's being passed to be played at Goodison Park. I think we'll start off, though, with, you know, the, the current situation with Everton and injuries. And Peter, I'm going to bring you in there because we've been absolutely battered with injuries. And a lot of people said, you know, with obviously the layoff that we've had, no, obviously, uh, games. Training has only really come back, sort of full contact training in the last couple of weeks. There's going to be a lot of muscle injuries, a lot of issues with players. We're finding that, and looking at now having a squad of 19 for match day, we're going to struggle to put out a squad of 19, Pete. Sod's law, though, isn't it? it just, it, I, I said before we started recording, I was going to try not to be negative, but I was lying. I'm not going to try that hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like whenever whenever we play a certain team, like we, we just we, we don't get the opportunity to give it a fair crack. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like an important player is always missing, or we've always got a string of injuries at like you know double centre half or something deft. So it's it's a shame in that regard, but you, you can just hope that you know that the squad's had a, a bit of time to prepare and Ancelotti can get another another sort of tactical win over Klopp and the Reds. I mean, if you look at the sort of the main injuries that we've got, so people who aren't going to be taking part. Obviously, Yeri Mina won't be taking part. Arguably would have started the game alongside Mason Holgate. Theo Walcott probably would have started the game. He's out for four weeks with his uh, abdominal injury. Had an operation on that. Morgan Snydlin, he's obviously long-term. I think he's going to be back in the next three weeks, they, they say, uh, training-wise. But he can probably write his season off. Um, Fabian Delph, surprise, surprise. Another one. Again, I don't want to go back to, this, to when we signed him. I did call that this would happen over the course of the season. He'd break down week in, week out. And then there's also a doubt over over Andre Gomez as well. So you, you look at the, the names that, that we've mentioned there. And you know, it's it's a big, it's a big portion of first team players. When you've got to name obviously a bigger squad now because we can make five substitutes, that's a massive, massive impact. What what are, what are your thoughts, Jay? You know, thinking about that, like Pete said, it's Sod's law, it happens time and again. Out of all the clubs that you know, since we've come back into into full training, it seems to be Everton who seems to have the biggest issues. It's just Everton for you, lad, isn't it? <laughs> you know, nothing nothing goes right for us. Not to sound negative, but um, and to, to have the Merseyside derby first game back, just just even worse as well. Um, so I'm not sure what what team are going to be able to play. What what are your thoughts, Lee? Because just to sort of pick up, as mentioned, there are five players who aren't going to be in the squad. Who would have been in the squad that we've got to name? We've now seen over the course of the last the last few days, we've seen the likes of uh, Kyle John, the young right back, being seen with the first team. Ellis Sims, um, you've got Jared Branthwaite, another one, um, young centre half we brought in, who's who's going to be in and around that the squad as well. Um, you know, we're, we're Sort of at the sort of bare bones, aren't we? And we're going to have to call upon 
these younger players to pad out that squad, especially early doors. Yeah, I was about to say, like, come on, lads, where's all the positivity here? Hey, we've got football back here now. Come on, we've got three, three months out. I look, I, I think but every team, certainly in the first few games, and it's shown in the Bundesliga, everyone's going to be a bit rusty, aren't they? You know what I mean? Lack of sharpness. It's going to be almost like a little bit of a pre-season game. Um, obviously, Klopp will have them fit, because obviously that's one of the things that they thrive on, is being super fit. Um, well, probably, essentially, like, uh, oh, let's not discuss Klopp's method, shall we? Leave that for another well, podcast. But um, e- EPOFC. <laughs> EPOFC. But um, no, all I was going to say was, is that look, some of those players are crucial. I mean, you'd probably like to think that if Mina was fit, you could probably have Holgate alongside uh, Gomez in midfield. Holgate, in the time he did play there at Old Trafford, certainly got the legs to play. And then Gomez needs legs around him so they can win the ball back and just give it him and let him do his thing. So that'll be a loss. I think Keane, I worry a little bit about Keane being exposed against the pace of Salah and Mane because they'll try and isolate him, I think. Um, but yeah, we're decimated in centre mid. But I do think, like I said, if you're going to play them, you'd rather play them now than in you know two or three games' time, potentially, um, when everyone's going to be a bit sharper. Um, but we'll, we'll, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I do think a lot of teams um, are starting... We'll start to get injuries as soon as the games kick off as well. It's it's the intensity of the games being what three four days apart. It'll be you know the lack of fitness. It'll be a lot of muscular injuries, I imagine as well, like hamstrings, calves, that sort of thing. So it'll be typical of Everton. Look, it's a, we'll, 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 we'll end up breaking the pseudo and beating them with no one in the stand, no one in the crowd, no one there to witness it. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I, I I think I think we'll give them a good game. Uh, but I also said to you boys the other week that I think what you'll find is now the lack of home advantage as the games go on will definitely be uh, will be prevalent. And I can see the likes of City absolutely battering a few teams. They'll have about 80% possession mm. uh, in, in probably most games because it's going to be pretty much like a neutral venue every game, isn't it? So um, I do think the cream will rise to the top. But um, it's an opportunity for us here, I think. I, I, I think we've got a mediocre-ish run in. Uh, we can put a few wins together. I think we might we might be able to sneak a Europa spot. Who, who do you? Th- I mean, obviously that you're you're full of optimism and, and like like you said, you know, football's back for the first time in months. It's it's something which is we discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks back. How it's it's massively divided people, hasn't it? You know, some some people can't wait to see it back again. Um, other people um, are not too happy because it's come back and the fans can't be there and football's not without fans, etc. I think obviously what where people need to realise is that of course it's being dictated to by by the fact that it's a money game and we, we know how madly, you know, and how badly uh, teams' finances have been hit with the current situation. And people have got to realise that there is there's, there's definitely definitely a chance that especially your lower leagues, you could see clubs go out of business full stop. Some of your lower your lower Premier League teams are going to really struggle, like to Burnley and people like that have already said, you know, about how they could struggle. You know, the, some TV money has got to be returned, etc. So we, we know why it's coming back. I think, obviously, me, me personally, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing football on the telly again in terms of the Premier League. Gutted that, you know, for the Merseyside derby especially, one thing when you're playing at Goodison Park against them, the leveller, if you like, is having the crowd. If you think back to last season, that that nil nil, and the atmosphere was was unbelievable. You know the sirens uh, kicking in before Zed cars. You know it, it wasn't a great game. Both sides had, had limited chances. I'd say you know Michael Keane. I always go back to it. Probably a, a Beckenbauer s tackle on Mo Salah. Uh, you know there, there was moments in the game that that stood out, but you know we we stood up to them. And the crowd definitely, definitely helped, obviously, the team stand up. So my concern going into the game is that when you haven't got 35,000, 36,000 Evertonians almost baying for blood right on top of, the, obviously, the away team, that concerns me. And that's where I think the, the, the better sides will come out on top by, like Lee said, the Man City, etc., by more goals because they haven't got that intense atmosphere to, to deal with. Uh, I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are on that, but that that's a concern of mine. Totally agree, mate. There, it doesn't doesn't sit right with me, to be honest, mate. You know, going every game every week and then 
now you know you can't go any matches. It just doesn't feel feel right. Um, and obviously, to see you know why is it okay for lower leagues to be cancelled and not allowed to play, but we can carry on. And as you said before, it's just it's the money thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and as, as much as you know, you're saying they obviously you go week in week out, you you're going home and away. It's happening with the side, and it doesn't sit right, does it? I and and I I get that point. I totally understand it. But then I also realise why it's come back. I all, you know, they they have had a, had a gun held to the head almost by by the Premier League, um, because of of the financial sort of implications of not not coming back. But then I'm I'm sure there's people at every single club as well, including Everton, who are saying we've got to get it back because of the money side as well. So we're not we're not going to be totally obviously uh, blameless in that, but. It's going to be a, a really strange, really strange sort of introduction to Premier League football again. That's for sure, and I just hope that we do, we do tear up. I mean, I've, I've watched just before we recorded today. Everton released footage from the eleven v eleven friendly game we had against, um, obviously the inter friendly that we had um, at Goodison Park on on Saturday. And Michael Ske- Michael Keane scored too. Um, if my eyes didn't deceive me, two <laughs> two cracking headers. Um, Calvert-Lewin scored a belter. You know, there, there was obviously they edit these things out, but there were some positive things, some some nice movements, etc. But it's going to be a really, a really strange, really strange atmosphere, even with the uh, the sky uh, option of selecting your own songs. So <laughs> I was just going to ask you all about that. Have you seen that? You've got the option of adding crowd noise. Excellent piece, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can pick. You can't pick your songs. I was like a like a playlist of songs. I'm sure they'll all be clean, but. Um, That'll be nice. Have, have, yeah, to pick your own, pick your own numbers. Yeah, Nass and Dorma. all the way through. Yeah, Luciano. Please listen to Martin Tyler and Jamie Carragher. What they're going to do with the ground? Because I guess a lot of the German football teams have had banners, haven't they? They've had fans make things to still have in the stadium to try and hold on to a little bit of atmosphere or a little bit of sort of home identity. Well, you know, everything came out. Yeah. Everton asked, didn't they? They came out to the fans and said, you know, what what are your, your ideas in terms of um, what you want in the seats? Obviously, we've seen the, the cardboard cutouts that have been obviously going around the world and some some strange characters have popped up along the, <laughs> over in Australia uh, for, the, for the rugby league, etc. Uh, but they did ask the fans and you know, there was talk of uh, putting cardboard cutouts. But a lot of people seem to want the, the, the flags and banners Printed and put right across all the all the seats. Um, I, I think all seats ticket holders should be allowed to submit a cuddly toy from home. <laughs> <laughs> what was yours, BP? I've got some old yellow telly uh, teddy from when I was about two years old. I'd take that. <laughs> sell a tape that in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure, there was some. There was some strange ideas that cropped up. I, I, I can't remember if the top of my head now what I saw, but there were some funny things that people. People sent across in terms of ideas, but um, we, we'll see. I'm sure we'll get more information on that on that this week. And as we sort of see, obviously we've got the City game, haven't we, on on Wednesday? Um, first game back against Arsenal. Really important City get the win against Arsenal to avoid Liverpool having the chance to win the Premier League at Goodison Park. Because although we're not going to be there to see it, I, I couldn't stomach them going on for years and years and years. Most how they won the Premier League at Goodison Park. I know the Premier League, they deliberately uh, rigged the fixtures to, for that potentiality to happen, haven't they? Um, but I can see City City have got a great record against Arsenal. Um, Pepper have them ready and tuned in, ready to go. I, I think they'll uh, I think they'll turn them over, hopefully, quite quite easily. Um, but yeah, going back to the stadium thing, it's a weird one because in Italy they've had like they've been playing FIFA FIFA songs, haven't they? Like from the, from the video game as well. <laughs> Uh, every time the goal and stuff like that, there's all sort of random stuff going on. I do think the banners thing is a good idea, you know, to make it look like obviously, you know, as good as you're going to get it without a crowd and obviously our identity and things like that. Um, but yeah, certain you mentioned a few players there, Mike. Certain players, you know, some of the footage that's been released have looked quite sharp. I thought Richarlison's looked really sharp in training. Um, Calvert Lewin from the snippets we've seen, he looks really sharp as well. Um, it's a bit of a lottery. We'll see how it goes. I, I, you'll see a lot of random results initially, and I think it'll settle down a bit then once the players get used to it. Um, but I said something to you boys off air then about, I don't know what you think, Jay, about you know, like certain players um, getting absolute drilling from the crowd. Uh, probably the, the biggest one nowadays is probably Tom Davis. Yeah. I, you know, certain players actually might 
you know, rather than going into their shell a little bit when 40,000 people scream at you because you give the ball away, you might actually start to show a little bit of a bit of form. What do you think? Yeah, definitely me. Um, Tom Davies, probably the main one. As you say, he gets a lot of a lot of stick, doesn't he, at the match? Um, and people, you know, forget that he's still, what is he, 20, 21? He's quite a young lad, so... Yeah. Uh, and you see that in pre-season quite a bit. You know, certain players will, will play great in pre-season and, you know, the season starts, they don't do as well. Obviously, it's a different, it's a different sort of ball game when you're at Goodison and you've got 40,000, uh, you know, going mad at you. So, Especially in that kind of game as well. You know, as you say, Tom Davis is, is on the end of a, quite a bit of abuse from a lot of fans. As as we sort of grow to, to sort of see more often, the, the local players tend to get more stick than, than anyone else. And because everyone looks at, it, at a player that comes through as the next wave of as we've said on previous podcasts, and that's never going to be the case. Um, but just, just jump, jumping back, I've just located what the fans said in regards to ideas for the um, for the ground. I'll just I'll read a few of my favourites out, OK? So in regards to all, audio, you like, like some of these. Um, Boo, the away team was one. Um, which is nice. So, someone, someone wants the Operation Goodison message put, put over the tannoy, um, which which would be nice. Um, in terms of live interaction, Zoom fans on the on the big screens, fan fans' voices while watching the game. I'm sure how that would work. Uh, but my, my personal favourite is um, Mr. Testicles in the Gladys Street. Also, <laughs> also offered up as, as an idea. Um, and someone put not interested as well, which is which is also nice. But you know the club, the club have come out and and obviously asked for for people's opinions. And let let's see, let's see. I mean, as you say, no one's going to be happy with the way that it's gone. And the fact it's coming back with no fans is not ideal. Um, like we've said, you know, two weeks ago on the podcast, this is going to be how it's going to be for the foreseeable. It could be into into the next season, you know, next next year, even before we start getting back into. Into grounds in some kind of some kind of capacity, but you know, let's let's just let's just see what uh, what happens there. But let's let's come on to whatever Pete, his thoughts just are. Pete, Pete uh, just interrupt. Pete wants that guy in front of him there screaming, "Get it forward! Get it forward!" <laughs> yeah. on, on a constant loop. <laughs> it, 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 it Calvert Lewin on the diags. Get round him. <laughs> let's just, you let, love let's him, don't you, Pete? <laughs> Let's just go. Calvert Lewin picks up the way he left off. You know, we're sitting currently off the top of my head on 15 goals throughout, you know, all all competitions. He's got a real chance of it, of it in the 20 mark, which for someone who, you know, last season was banging in a handful of goals, he's now become, he's taken the number nine shirt. He's become our, our main striker, him and Richardson in, in a front two. The, the mantle of having the Everton number nine shirt is big in itself, and, he, and he's, he's got broad enough shoulders to carry it off. So, what, what, what a turnaround it's been for him. And it's great that, you know, if he breaks the 20 goal mark, then, you know, you've only seen sort of in, in recent years, Lukaku do that and, and before him, Yakubi did it for, for this season as well. What are your thoughts, say, on, on Calvert-Lewin? Do you think he can, he can break the uh, the 20 goal mark? Yeah, definitely, mate. And uh, I'll be honest, that I wasn't his biggest fan last season, you know. I thought he was overrated and obviously I watched basically every game he's played and I thought, you know, the stuff I just couldn't see him making it, to be honest. Um, off what I see him, you know, he worked hard off the ball, and you know, like he wasn't, but he didn't seem like he had that killer instinct to score. But since like Ancelotti come in, like Newcastle away especially, um, so I just kick started his his Everton his Everton form, and since Ancelotti's come in, he's just sort of really helped them along, hasn't he? I think it was Sod's law, wasn't it, with with him. And Mason Holgate, that you know, they were tipped for an England call up, and then football was cancelled, wasn't it? Because the two of them were on the periphery of the England squad, and they were being touted, you know, by by many in the media that they were going to be in the next the next squad, and and Mitzi deserves, you know, the two of them have have really really kicked on. Probably out of the two of them, we probably look at Mason Holgate more because, and I know when we had, we had um, bars from Sophie TV on going back a good few months ago now, before Holgate was really getting getting a chance, I think Silver was still there. And um, I've always said about Holgate, I just don't think he, he can cut it. I don't think he's big enough. I don't think he's, he's strong enough. And and you see how he's developed over the course of maybe three or four months with, with obviously Ancelotti at the helm. And he, he's now, for me, 
in terms of the, the centre-halves, he's the one who is the first name on the team sheet in terms of that, that those two at the back. And it's 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 Holgate and another. Because um, to see the way he's progressed, it's probably a bigger turnaround than Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Pete. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were saying before we started recording, Holgate in particular, I think the three of us felt, um, it, yeah, he'd sort of reached his peak at Everton. And it was time for him to move on, especially after the loan at West Brom, where I think he showed some early promising signs. But again, he, he seemed to struggle to fit in there as well. So, I mean, credit to both of them, but especially Mason Holgate. I mean, I'd said in the last podcast for me, he's the best player I've seen for Everton in that uh, sort of central holding midfield role this season. And I think for such a young player, um, you know, to sort of step up to the plate and improve so much is is remarkable. And it. I hope he stays, and I hope I hope he does get his England call up. Um, both of them. And he, he, he made a great, he made a great start. Go on, Lee. Sorry, mate. Uh, there's one word I'd use for both those two players uh, that they've shown this year, and that's character. You know, um, they've both had stick in you know from various factions uh, at Goodison, particularly Calvert Lewin. Jay, you're right there. You know, he's, I was a bit like you. Is he, you know, pacey lad, good in the air, but he lacked that sort of like clinical movement and finishing, but he's really, really worked on that. And I think obviously Ancelotti's now got him playing very much more central, stay in the box. Um, don't be running the channels all the time, wasting, wasting your energy out there. And he's obviously, you know, come on another level, I think, and even in the short time under Carlo. But Mason, for me, he's had a great season. I think I said off air to you guys, which is a bit of a bold comment, saying he's obviously like, you know, um, Carlo's version of a, uh, Cannavaro, uh, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as that. But in terms of stature, you know, they're quite similar size. You know, not not the solar centre half, both quite quick. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you haven't quite got the stature, you can't be a centre half. You can still be a centre half and a top centre half. You don't have to be six foot, you know, six foot plus. Um, but he has filled out a little bit. I think he reads the game well. He's very quick. Um, but I, I like his attitude as well. You know, he, he's a, he's definitely a leader, and he yeah. he could be a future captain, Mason. Um, he's got that in him and I think he's even publicly come out even in lockdown you know saying that um, he is one of the voices in the dressing room even at such a young age um, I could see him potentially being a future captain in, in a few years and look what what a manager to develop under as well you know one of the best coaches we've you know in, in the world Italy renowned for being you know defensive coaches as well he, he's only going to improve any under Carlo yeah, and I mean, I saw that footage from that that um, 11v11 friendly game uh, that we yeah. had. And there was one where Holgate just recovered, um, sprinting back very quick. And Richardson had the ball. He's no slouch himself, Richardson. Holgate recovers, gets back. Richardson hits it and Holgate blocks the ball out for a corner. And, and that's what Holgate's all about. He, he's always had that, that bit of pace. But like you say, Lee, he's, he's filled out. You know, he, he's big, he's strong. Um, he's the leader in terms of the the sort of um, not only sort of in in defence, but throughout throughout the whole the whole side. And to someone so young, who you know was so inconsistent, was on loan last season at West Brom, like Pete said, and he, he's really come on leaps and bounds. And it's great to see. You, you love you love to see the the younger players who you know uh, coming through coming through the side and, and getting an opportunity. And he him and Calvert Lewin are two players who who definitely have. have uh, Grabbed a chance and, and two players now who should be starting week in, week out. Um, but let's, let's I, do, you know, I do like I do like as well, Mike, while you're on that. I do like um his confidence on the ball as well. Because he can play it through the lines, can't he? You know what I mean? He comes out of defence. He's probably our only centre half. I mean, Mina, Mina's not too bad, but he does look a bit clumsy at times. I think Holgate, um, in terms of bringing it out of defence and, and threading it between the lines, he's got that in his locker as well. Yeah, he's, he's a, I think he's a footballer, you know, and as he's got confidence on the ball, he trusts himself, which is is massively important, I think, with with any player. But you do like a centre half with with confidence on the ball. We've had too many in the past, and even the likes of say Yeri Mina now. We, you know, I like Yeri Mina. I think he's think he's done he's done okay this season, uh, but I don't particularly trust him on the ball. Go back to the likes of say Funes Mori, another one. He was absolutely lunatic, inconsistent on the ball. You know, just centre half like that. You need to trust your centre halves. As was Jordan Pickford, he's gonna have two centre halves in front of him who he knows he can play from the back with. He can trust them on the ball, and and they're comfortable in that particular role. But they're gonna be severely tested come Sunday. You know, we know what Liverpool are all about. The you know high press. Don't give you a minute. Um, you know the, the the front three that they've got. 
I'm sure are going to put them under under immense pressure. Um, but what's what's everyone's thoughts on predictions for? You haven't done a prediction for months now. Um, I think I was leaving that table, wasn't I, lads? I think I was top of the predictions table again. Um, no, mate, stop lying. It's like your fantasy as well. Bottom of the losing fantasy as well. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I'll come to you first, Jay. What are your thoughts on prediction for the game? Um, I'll go to all, mate. Oh, to all. Yeah. Optimistic, Jay. Who's, who's, <laughs> going, who's, going, who's going to score for the Blues? Richardson. Richardson two. Yeah. And and uh, Jan Malby and uh, Ian Rush for Liverpool. Please, <laughs> please, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for a, um, an optimistic nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a, a, a tight game. I'm hoping City win to sort of take the, the psychological edge off Liverpool a little bit. And um, yeah, I, I take nil-nil and no injuries all day. Lee? No, no one's mentioned the ref yet. Who's the ref? How do we, we have announced? The, the, the ref always has an impact on the derby, doesn't it? You know I mean? <laughs> we've had some, we've had some shockers over the years. Someone said Clattenberg was coming back. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to be honest. He's one of them. But, uh, no, go, going back to, I, I think yeah, it's hard, very, very hard to predict because obviously people are coming out cold. Both teams are coming out cold. Um, I'd like to be foolishly optimistic and say we might nick it, but I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a score draw. I think it'll be 1-1. One, one. Um, I can't see his... I think we'll give him a good game, put it that way. I think you know the players are up for it. As I said, they'll look pretty sharp in training from what I've seen. Um, and they'll have a point to prove as well. You know, This, this hoodoo needs to end at some point. It's doing my head in. So um, I think uh, I'd say 1-1. One, one. And I think, yeah, like you, Jay, I think Richarlison will score. He's a sort of player like Lukaku. Certainly, Lukaku early Everton years, he scored against Liverpool. He's a sort of guy that wouldn't sort of you know shrink in that sort of uh, that sort of limelight against those sort of teams. He'd want to prove himself how good he is. I think. Um, well, I'm going. To, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be now. I know I said at the start, I've got concerns over having no crowd there. We've obviously mentioned the fact that certain players might thrive and have a no crowd. Um, I'm going to be overly optimistic even more than, than everyone else and say Everton 1-0. <laughs> um, and, and I hope, listen, I'd love it. I'd, obviously, the lead title is obviously destined for Anfield. And, and don't be surprised if once they get the lead title, they call the season off. Don't be surprised that happens as well. But um, I just think that the layoff obviously will impact both sides. Um, I think I think we'll be we're going to be well drilled. I think Carlo will have will have us tight and compact, and I think we can hurt them on the break. I really do. You know, I think the likes of Calvert Lewin and Richardson can cause real problems with the pace and the power. Um, I mean, obviously the the edit clips for for YouTube and when you watch sort of training clips with the wide angle and um, you know seeing the goals that, that someone will put on in Richardson, some of the goals he's, he scores are just just ridiculous. And Calvert Lewin looks he scored in the in the uh, the behind closed doors game and. I just think we could, we could, it could work in our favour almost to sort of have this layoff, and, and Liverpool, like you said before, Lee, not firing on all cylinders. So I'm going to say Everton one 0 I'm going to say I think Calvert Lewin will will pop up with the with the goal, um, and we can delay the inevitable for that little bit, that little bit longer. Um, but let's I, think let's, key, I think it's key we have Gomez fit as well. By the way, I know I, think, I know we're definitely in midfield, but. I think he will be. I think I think he he, yeah. he said didn't he? Because when it came out that he he was injured, he, he commented on Instagram saying that he wasn't injured. He, he replied to someone saying, "I was out for long enough with me with his, obviously his, his uh, dislocated ankle, etc." So he said he's he said he's not obviously. I don't, he didn't play in the in the training game yesterday, but I think he's pretty certain he's going to be fit, uh, which which obviously will help us massively if you go in up with with him, Tom Davis, probably Sigerson's going to be playing either right or left, and we and we'll we'll drop in as well. Um, but you know we we are sure when, when you're missing, you know two centimeters. We've seen Dennis Adenigan, um, who's been been with the first team as well. Benny Beningham, he's been around the first team in training. So they, they've obviously brought the youngsters in to give them to give options. But we're going to need those kind of players to be on the bench because I say as I said earlier on, there's going to be a bigger squad name. So all these youngsters who have been brought in, you're probably going to see the majority on the bench. And wouldn't it be great to see Anthony Gordon? Get a bit, get a bit of a go in the derby as well at some points, and 
you know, imagine if he, if he popped up and scored scored the winning goal. You know, um, that that kid's destined for great things, I'm sure, especially with with Carl as manager. Um, but let, let's move on then to you know a lot a lot's happened since we last recorded. Um, you know, as per usual, transfers are always mentioned. There's, there's a lot of talk about how heavily finances have been hit throughout the game and obviously Everton as well. Um, but there's talk of a lot of maybe loads and swap deals which could be happening. A couple of names which which are cropping up. One on a free transfer is is Thiago Silva from PSG, uh, and then the, the the name which has cropped up yet again at centre half is is Kurt Zuma. What what are your thoughts, Jay, on that? I mean, if we if we start with with Silva, you know, he's what thirty five years of age, out of contract on big money. Obviously, worked with Carlo before. Is is that an avenue which you think that Everton would would actually go down at this at this current time? I'm not. I'm not sure if if we would, to be honest. Um, but it depends what Carlo wants, and you know, if he's a free transfer, um, and his wages aren't, you know, astronomical, and you know, he he could help Holgate's game a lot, and even Michael Keane's. Um, and going on to Zuma, like I, I'd have Zuma back any day. I thought he he played really well for us the other season, and um, he's already got that relationship. With, with our defence and playing next to Lucas Dean and alongside Mina and Keane. So I'd like to see Zuma come back, to be honest. Um, and if you could get Silver in, um, yeah, it would strength, strengthen, you know, the positions, wouldn't it? What, what do you think, Lee, in, in regards to Silver? Because, you know, Marcel Brands' philosophy and Everton's philosophy is getting players more sort of early mid-twenties and, and so on. But obviously, the financial landscape has, has changed. I think we were cut on a fan in regards to money before the, the COVID-19 situation, even more so now. Um, do you think we go out there and, and pay handsomely in terms of wages for Thiago Silva to come in for, say, 12 months, um, two years, to, to, like, like Jay just said then, come in, a lot of experience, played at the highest level, both internationally and, and for obviously... Uh, for his club as well, I think he'll be, he'll be coming into it and he can do a job for us. If you ask me, would we be linked with Thiago Silva twelve months ago? I'd have laughed at you. <laughs> but I think I think Thiago Silva, um, one of the best centre halves of his generation, last ten years. Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti brought him to Milan. It took a while to get into that Milan team because they were a very good side. Eventually, forced his way in, and in arguably probably the hardest league in the world in terms of you know being a defender. He was head and shoulders. He went on to be one of the best defenders in the world, didn't he? It certainly was probably four or five years ago. Um, I'd 100% take him all day. Um, I know Andy Elpiv has been quite vocal in saying that's not the direction he wants Everton to go in. You know, I can kind of see that point as well, because obviously we want to try and build a team. I think sometimes you need to bring in certain professionals into that dressing room and he's won everything. He's played at the highest level, like you said, Mike, internationally. Um, and at club level, um, if we can keep his, if he, you know, if he can keep his legs, he'd be an absolute to, to work under him. Holgate, even Mina, obviously fellow South American. I think he'd be, I think he'd be a very good signing for us, even for eighteen months or something like that. He's bring leadership uh, and obviously massive amount of experience as well. Um, in terms of Zuma, I. I don't see any credibility in that in those rumours. I can't see Lampard getting rid of him. But if it was definitely genuine that we were in for him, a bit like UJ, I'd take him all day. I think he's he's an athlete. His recovery pace is, is outstanding. Uh, he has got the odd mistake in him, and he's shown that a little bit with Chelsea this year. But he's only a young lad still. He's probably probably going to peak in the next three or four years. Um, but I think Chelsea will want probably him and Tamori as their centre-half partnership going forward for the next few years anyway. Um, but yeah, take silver all day. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, number one, the question is always: Would the player improve the squad? And with silver, I think the answer is immediately yes. Also, if we're getting him on a free, if the wage structure is right, you know, like you say, even if it's for twelve, eighteen months, it, it's a win-win for me. It's a it's a position that we need cover in. Yeah, he might not be at the club any longer than you know a couple of years, but if he brings on players like. You know, Mason Holgate and even Mina. Mina's still a young, young player, you know, especially for centre half. Um, 
you know, we've already got a bit of a, a South American contingent in the dresser. I think it could work well. In regards to Zuma, I love Kurt Zuma. I was absolutely gutted we didn't sign him. I mean, the way he talks about Chelsea, he seems to want Chelsea to be his club, doesn't he? And to, you know, for, to work for him there. But if you listen to Chelsea fans, they, they often get quite nervy about Zuma. And it seems like they've had quite a lot of squad rotation, haven't they, in that position. So I think it all depends now. Chelsea have got, got a bit of money to spend, whether they go out. And look to replace Zuma, in which case, you know, Zuma will become surplus. And I, I can't imagine him wanting to stay there and sort of fight again for, you know, a place that he's been fighting for all his career. Um, so I'd love him back at Everton, but I think it depends what Chelsea decide to do with all the money they've got. I, I said that on, I was on the Toffee Blues um, over the course of this week, and Kurt Zuma was one of the, the, the subjects that was brought up. And, you know, my thoughts, I love Kurt Zuma and, and all last summer. Obviously, Marco Silva was still manager. I was pushing for the Kurt sign, and I thought he, he got better as the season went on. If you think back, he wasn't a regular starter for us. He he wasn't uprooting any kind of trees. Didn't think early on. And as the season went on, he was the one centre half you just couldn't you just couldn't leave out. And um, I thought he, he was by the end of the season he was exceptional. I had a good relationship with Michael Keane, especially. Um, Jordan Pickford obviously was was trusting what was in front of him as well. So I was all in for for Kurt Zuma. In the summer, I think I think it's an easy link to make now because we were so heavily linked with him last summer after his his low move. I think though that he was a Marco Silva signing. Um, Carlo Ancelotti has got his own ideas, of course, working with Marcel Brands as well. We've been heavily linked with um, Tadebo, the lads from Barca, who's now at Chelker on loan. Been heavily linked. Um, obviously with, with Thiago Silva and, and recently obviously Gabriel as well who seems to have faded away just a little bit um, so I just think that Carlo's probably got his own ideas and, and I think I think it's probably not really news about Kurtzum I think it's probably a little bit made up because it's an easy link to me um, if he if he came back great you know he's 25 years of age like, like Lee said before no, he's not nowhere near his peak um, would definitely be an attribute to the squad whether we could do it I don't know Chelsea are in a very good position financially, as they're showing already with the moves that they've made in terms of Zayek and in terms of uh, Timo Werner and people like that who, who are pretty much tied up. Because um, obviously they got money to spend from when they had the, the transfer ban. So you might look to, to sell Kurt Zuma to, to recoup some money, but I don't, I'm not sure whether Everton could probably give that kind of money um, in the current climate. I think Thiago Silva is definitely, definitely an option. For the short term, I think I think plans have probably changed a bit because of the financial situation that we're in. And um, if you think about Morgan Snyder, and apparently he's on his way to Nice for a couple of million, and obviously <laughs> Pete's delighted. Those who obviously can't see the video, Pete's uh, punching the air there. But Morgan Snyder and potentially on his way. You know, he's on one hundred and twenty thousand pound a week. I think if you then said right, okay. You can then put that towards Thiago Silva to, to bring in someone at centre-half and you went into next season with your four centre-halves as Key, Mina, Holgate and Silva, you'd probably take it. And it could be a, an option, as I say, freeze and loans and swaps. That could be the nature of of the transfer window after after this season ends. Um, but I think we'd be daft. I think someone who's got a relationship with, with uh, Carlo Ancelotti, like Silva has, who's done it all, like Silva has, even if you paid them under twenty grand a week for twelve months, it would definitely improve the squad, and that's that's what we're looking to do, even in the short term. And and why not? Why not? Well, time time will tell, and I'm sure we'll get more and more transfer links as the as the weeks and the uh, the months go on. I think I think um, I think Brand has got a very big. I mean, he had a big job on his hands anyway, because obviously he had a decimated squad, Frankenstein squad, as we've called it on previous podcasts from from other managers. I think what will make it a lot easier for him, it'll be an easier sell when you're saying, obviously, Carlo's a manager for players of that sort of level. I know we've been linked, obviously, with James as well. Um, similar kind of signing in terms of, you know, um, Silver and the, the fact he's at the last end of his career. But if we could even get someone like him on loan, even um, just for 12 months, so have a look at him to see how he'd fit in the Prem. It just raises the profile. I remember when you know City were coming into money, Chelsea were coming into money. Obviously, it was different then because there was no FFP involved, so they were just throwing money at everything. But you know, 
you look at the tide started turning when the likes of City were getting people like Tevez in there, in there, and people like that, players of that sort of level. They went from like your Petrovs to your Tevez level. So it's a graduation, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, they had Alano for a bit and then that improved that to De Bruyne, you know. So you can't just instantly jump up and get, a, you know, a peak sort of, you know, Hammers equivalent or silver equivalent straight away, especially under FFP now. So, you know, we've either got to then rely on signing, you know, young talents like Richarlison, but there's a risk in that because they could end up being flopped. So, you know, maybe we have to look at that sort of market where players are, you know, a little bit past their best, but will add certainly quality to the squad, like Pete said. Um, maybe that is the way forward, especially like post-COVID now. It might well have to be sort of a couple of those loan-type deals for the likes of Hammers, maybe, and, and people like that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think you still, you've still got to watch, though. And, and you're right in what you're saying, you know, with a lot of sort of loans, et cetera, and freeze, but you've still got to watch that wage structure because if you think about those that were going to take off the, the, the wage, be out of contract, so Stecklenberg is not our mega bucks. Umar has on a decent wedge, but obviously he's on about what fifty-five grand a week. Kuko Martinez on about 30, 35 grand a week. Snyder's on one twenty. So there's going to be a little bit of a pot there. But I don't expect to see us making say five, six, seven signings. I expect again a lot of deadwood to be gone. Uh, promotions from within the the younger players. So you're going to see uh, Anthony Gordon's more. Um, the likes of your, your Brantwaite, you probably see him a little bit more as well in and around the squad. Um, Kyle John, as we've already mentioned, potentially. I think we need to look at sort of centre half is one really key position, and centre midfield is another key position that we get. So th- those two are probably the two that we're going to look to really, really, you know, improve on if we can. But we still got to obviously bear in mind that we we can't afford to be offering every single player that we get, whether it's a free or not. 100, 120 grand a week. We've got to do it sensibly. Um, and that's where, obviously, your, your Marcel Brands and your scouts come in to identify those targets. Even in the current climate, you've got to be doing some decent some decent work and going into next season with better better quality players and also making sure we hold on to our quality. You know, our our assets, like like Richard Charleston, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you, could, you know, argue Mason Holgate, Luca Dean. You want those players in and around the club still um, and, and making sure that, that we, we do improve on what we're doing this season. Um, one thing that might might help is, you know, something which we, we haven't mentioned massively uh, when we've recorded um, last uh, two weeks ago was in that time we've had the, obviously we had the, had the Hummel announcement a few weeks ago, which is great, you know, decent deal for us. We've had then Kazoo, who've come on board as our, our main sponsor. Um, for in and around the same figure as a sports pacer in regards to the the money side of things, um, but it's good to get to get those announced, get those on board, um, and still the sleeve sponsor to go as well, which is should should hopefully be a bit more money than what we were getting off from the from the Angry Birds sponsor. But good to see the club announcing more commercial deals and also separating the first team and, and the under-23s from the women's and younger teams as well. You know, they're going to have separate deals, um, which is which is good. Um, but let, let's hope, I mean, I've, I've seen a few a few mock-ups from various people in, in regards to shirts, and it looks it looks pretty good, I think. I think Kazoo has a, an actual symbol across the front of the shirt, and the logo looks actually quite nice. I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that one, Jay. Uh, yeah, mate, it's, you know, it doesn't really bother me too much about you know the kits and stuff because obviously I don't wear them like I don't buy shirts or anything but um Pete, Pete walks around Asda in his full kit still <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's... and his boots you know as you said about the sleeve sponsor I did see someone on Twitter say like you know if we get that kazoo to pay X amount of money, then maybe USM or Megafan can, you know, that leaves the door open for them to pay quite a bit on the on the sleeve. So that could be a bit of clever business by the club. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hummel at least at least they seem like they want, you know, we're their number one brand, and they, you know, they're going to promote us as much as possible and put put some thought into the the kit designs, unlike previous ones that we've had. Jay said there obviously he doesn't doesn't buy shirts anymore uh, and so on. But I think the thing the beauty the beauty of this deal with Kazoo is that the kids can buy a shirt now, 
with the sponsor on, as opposed to having that that yeah. blank blank space on the front. Because you know, buying buying kits for for obviously my daughter over the course of the years when she was using kid sizes, it was always it always didn't look right to me. You know, uh, and as soon as you get get a women's shirt, you get a women's shirt with the sponsor on, and that 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 should help. I think with the commercial aspect and and getting more shirt sales done. With the link up with Hummel, like you said, yeah, you know, they, they are or we're their flagship team. So in terms of designs, you know, it should be something totally unique, something that we haven't seen with other teams that they, they make kits for. Um so I'm looking forward to, to see what they actually what they actually come up with. Um but I, I think personally, I, yeah, think, I think those the, kind um, of things are really important. What's I think the kazoo one's an interesting one. Uh, I think the kazoo one's an interesting one because obviously it, some sections of fans have obviously, um, you know, slated it in terms of, you know, essentially they're a startup company. They're only 18 months old. You know, you know, why are we attracting sort of, you know, a bigger sponsor to the shirt? But I think it could prove to be a little shrewd investment in that. Um, you've got to look at it, what sits behind Kazoo. And that's like a very, very, very sharp operator in Alex Chesterman. He's, he's grown a company in, in Zoopla and sold that for a lot of money. Kazoo's his next venture. Um, and you know it, it looks quite a, a shrewd bit of business. He's had a lot of investment pumped into it early doors. Uh, obviously, some of which he's using that to sponsor us uh, to raise the profile of it. So, you know, as an emerging club now, you think like a, a big club that's trying to now, obviously now, you know, make a challenge for the top six over the next few years. It probably fits quite nicely with their branding. Um, and obviously, the guy's a very, very wealthy guy. Wouldn't surprise me if he's obviously you know very good mates with Mysterious and all that as well. Um, but I agree with you, Jay. Maybe that opens the door for you know Megafon or USM to come in and do a hundred million <laughs> sleeve sponsor, the only one, in, the only one in the Premier League, <laughs> something mad like that, like they did with the with the training ground. Let's sponsor the training yeah. ground for thirty million quid or something like that. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, you, like you said, Mike. You know, the finances are an important part of the game nowadays, and they have to balance the books. Um, but you know, I'm pretty pleased with that. I'd rather that than much rather that than obviously a betting company because there's only one way that's going with the Premier League and going forward betting sponsors. Yeah, I've said it a few times before on the on the pod, haven't I? I felt it was very uneverton to have a betting company as our as our sponsor. It just doesn't seem to fit with the club. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased that we've got a new sponsor. I think I don't think I don't think that the door's being closed in regards to the sleeve sponsor and a betting company. From what I've heard, it, it potentially Everton have not said they wouldn't have a betting company on the sleeve. I'd hope that they wouldn't. I'd hope that the you know that that ship has sailed after all the the situation with with sports pacing etc. You'd hope that we get someone um, that obviously the fans and club agree with as a as a collective unit. Um, you know the the, the megaphone in USM is an easy link to make. Again, I'm not sure how that would sit with the Premier League after the the money paid by Osmanoff um, to, to be at the front of a one man queue for the name and nights for Bramley Moore. I'm not sure how well that would sit with the Premier League if he started giving us silly money for the sleeve sponsor. But I'm you know I'm sure more will come to light because we're expecting to start to see or see the the home shirt at least in the next week or so, couple of weeks from Hummel. So by that time, you you, you would expect. The sleeve sponsor to have been announced as well, um, but let's let's see. I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, there's, there's been some great designs done by people, and, and I think that the chevrons really do set off the shirt. And you look you look back at the you know the old Denmark kits and the late 80s, early 90s, and they were great shirts. And if you go back down that particular road, I'd be I'd be delighted. But um, I do think um, letting the kids be able to get a shirt with a sponsor on is a massive thing, and I think we've done the right thing there. The logo looks good. Look down. You know, really, really clean. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. But Jay, really appreciate you coming on the show today, mate. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, great to, to hear about the work that you that you're doing in regards to to men's mental health. Like I said before, we'll give it a nice a nice push as well when we put the uh, the podcast out. And and anyone who wants to get in touch, Jay Jay's available and can you have a, have a chat with him and obviously get involved with his his uh, his virtual walks. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed speaking to you all and, um, you know, about about the Blues. Um, and, yeah, I'll make sure I keep listening to your podcast and stuff. And, we, and we'll watch it. When we go to lockdown, we'll all come on a walk as well. So, Lee, get, oh, into, yeah. some, get into some kind of shape. <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in great shape over lockdown here, Spence. 
I've not done my tongue. I've not done my tongue. I've dug his 10k time. Yep. You, you Fly in now, mate. Fly under, two, under two hours. <laughs> no, no, Jay, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, no thanks for having me. And you, you're all welcome to come on, on a walk, definitely, once uh, lockdown's over. Like uh, like Max and Paddy with uh, Lee and Pete there. Let's get, <laughs> let's get ready, ready to ramble. <laughs> <laughs> so now, cheers, Jay. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um, okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Uh, we'll be back, hopefully, after we, we win the derby. And we'll, uh, we'll look back at that uh, and look forward to, to the next round of Premier League games after that. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.